I have a lot of confidence in myself, don't I? <laughs> I'm a trip over this, I'm a trip over that. We had a, we've got a couple of additions to our family. We went and got a couple puppies Friday. See, Randy said we, could, we weren't going to have another dog, so we got two. I told him, I said, this is God's double portion. <laughs> so, and they're cute little puppies, and they're, you know, kind of uh, fun to be around. And we had uh, Tammy's dog yesterday, too, and I'm not kidding, those dogs, she, they, I don't know which one had more fun. Because they were chasing each other around the house and had so much energy, and I thought, man, if I could just get an IV of that, plug, plug it in, man, I'd be okay. But the thing that was kind of interesting, where we went and got these puppies at, we was up there, uh, the lady that had them, and they're older puppies, so their older puppies are a little harder to get rid of, so we got a good deal on them. That's why we got both of them. But anyway, um, when we were up there, this lady was talking to us, and she was telling us that, uh, you know, that she had lupus, and she had all these little you know, problems and things that was going on in her life. And so before we left, I says, you know, can we pray for you? I'm not expecting this, so I thought, okay, and she let us pray for her. So I'm praying, praying that God will touch her life and heal her and get her over this kind of stuff, and then she'll know that there's a God in heaven, and those, those puppies happen to be a way that we had an avenue to be able to go in and, and got to minister to somebody. So that was kind of exciting for us. And so I know that God led us to that puppy, Sonny. <laughs> yeah. He's the one that said we had to take both of them. I'm not quite getting the look, but I'm getting there. But anyway, before I get wound up here, I better pray. I pray, Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day, Lord, and thank you for your many blessings that you've given unto us, Lord, and we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to come into your house, Lord, and to open your word and be able to sense your presence here today. And we ask, Lord, your anointing upon this message, Lord, that, that you've given unto me, Lord, and anoint me your servant, Lord, as I give it, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you'd anoint their hearts to receive, Lord, the message this morning. And we'll be careful to give you the praise and the honor and glory. In the name of Jesus, and everyone said, Amen. All right. Praise the Lord. Now, we're going to be in uh, 1 Samuel, the 17th chapter. Now, I want to finish up a part of, well, kind of the middle part of this that I got into oh, a while back about, uh, this is a story we're very familiar with. It's about the David and Goliath story. And a few, well, man, I, I'll bet it was last October that I actually preached the first part of this message and then got detoured in other directions and different things going on. And in that message, I talked about preparing for your giants. Now, we know that we all have giants that we have to face. And we have to do some kind of preparing in our lives in order to face our giants. And we dealt with some of those issues that as soon as we decide we're going to face the, the, the giants in our life, there's going to be people that's going to try and put us down, tell us we can't do it, and they're going to argue with us, and they're going to do everything they can to destroy our faith in what we need to do. And that's basically what that message entailed with. I don't want to preach that one again or I'll never get into this one. But if you want it, you know, hey, it's on, it's on uh, CD. So if you want a copy of it, go ahead and we'll get it for you to, to kind of put it together. But that's basically what it, what it was dealing with. But today I want to actually talk about the battle itself. Because, you know, no matter how much preparing you do for a fight, it ain't going to do any good unless you're going to fight. And that's what I want to talk about is attacking your giants or fighting your, your giants this morning. Now, if you've ever watched little kids, if you've ever watched little league kids, you parents that have had little kids and they grow up and they go to play little league and they go out there and if you, if you sit there and you watch a game, I'm at, man, it's very frustrating to watch kids when, you, when they're little playing ball. 
because, you know, they're out there. I don't know whether they're out there for them or they're out there for us, one or the other. I think they're more out there for us because we, we, we never know whether we might see the next Mickey Mantle. Do we know who Mickey Mantle is and Roger Maris? I mean, you'll have to get there, you know. I don't know any of the current guys, so I have to deal with the old, old guys that I'm familiar with. So we want to make sure because, man, if that's it, then we want to make sure they're there. But if you go to these little league games and about five-year-olds are out there playing, and they're all right for the first few minutes of the game, you know, they're sitting out there in the field, and if you watch them, pretty soon they'll get bored, and they'll sit down on the grass, and they'll start picking the grass out, and they'll start doing everything else because they're bored. They'll put their mitts down because, after all, you know, little kids, nobody ever hits the ball out there anyway, right? <laughs> Very rarely they hit it anywhere out there, so they get bored real easy. So, but if they do hit the ball towards them, if it comes like a grounder to them, what happens when the kids see the ball? Man, they sit there and they run down there. Now, I know, it's, my kids would run down there and go, whoa, whoa, yeah, jump in the air and double play, you know. Huh? That isn't what happens. If the ball comes to them, what do they do? Ah! <laughs> if it hits the net, ah, it's because it accidentally hit the net. It isn't that they were trying to catch it. Because the instinct when anything comes at us is to back up or to run. That's the instinct that they have. And we have to be able to take the kids and be able to teach them that when the ball comes to you, you have to move forward towards the ball. You can't back up because if you back up, you're going to miss the ball and, you know, it might bounce up and hit you. So if you come forward, then you have a better opportunity to catch the ball. But that's something that isn't natural to kids. And it isn't natural to us either. When we face a battle in our lives and we, we face a giant because if we're pay, facing situations in our life, that seemed overwhelming to us, that's the first thing we want to do. We want to back up or we want to run. That's the instinct that we have. And we have to be able to overcome that and be able to learn to step forward and face that battle or face that ball if we're going to make that play. And that's what um, basically we're going to be talking about today. Now we're in the first uh, Samuel, the 17th chapter. And we're going to start with verse 40, 40. And it says, And he took his shepherd's stick and then picked up five smooth stones from the stream and put them in his bag with his sling ready. He went out to meet Goliath. The Philistine started walking toward David with his shield bearer walking in front of him. He kept coming closer. Now, if you remember from that, when I talked about this, and I've been to this area, so I know what it looks like. And in this area, it's kind of like a bowl type thing. And up on this side was kind of like a hundred, you know, up on the, around it, or kind of in a semicircle, was a, a higher ledge that was about 100 feet higher than down here in the, in the valley area. And the Philistines were on this side, and the Israelites were on this side. And for 40 days and 40 nights, Goliath would come down that hill and into that valley and challenge anybody that would come and fight him. If you come and fight me and you defeat me, we'll be your slaves. But if I defeat them, then you'll be our slaves. And Israel sat up there on top of that hill, just moaning, shaking in their boots over fear because of Goliath. Because this was a big giant. This wasn't no ordinary guy. You know, if it was been an ordinary guy, there'd been all kinds of guys out there willing to fight him. Saul might have even went out there if it had been an ordinary guy, because Saul was actually a taller guy than most Jewish men were. So here's this guy that, you know, and we think, look at this story, and we can't even visualize it. If you go up to the Denny's up here, Wigwam, 
You know, and they got that bear, that bear standing in front of the Denny's. You know, looking at that, and I try to think, man, I think I could fight him. <laughs> That's kind of the scenario, so you can see why they'd be afraid. I'd be afraid. I'd like to think that, man, I'd be out there. I'd be the David. I'd be the David in the group, but I don't know whether I would be or not. <laughs> Depends on how long I've been sitting up on that ledge while somebody was yelling threats and daring me to come down. I don't know how I'd respond. So, but that's the scene that we have when, Dar when David shows up. Now let's jump to verse 42. And when he got a good look at David, he was filled with scorn for him because he was just a nice, good-looking boy. And he said to David, what's that stick for? Do you think I'm a dog? And he called down curses from his God on David. Come on, he challenged David, and I will give your body to the birds and animals to eat. Without proper barrel, if you don't have a proper burial in those days, that was just the totally the in, most insult that you could get. If you just leave somebody's body out for the birds to eat on and the animals to eat, that was a total insult that you could have. And that was a fear that everybody had if they died in battle, was to have your body not have a proper burial. So that's why the, he uh, mentioned this. And David answered, You are coming against me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the Israelite armies, which you have defiled this very day. See, he made a decision that this very day, this is going to happen. We have to make a decision when we have giants in our life to decide that this very day, I'm fighting this giant. I've had enough of him, but this very day is going to happen, and it's today. Today is the day. So it says, this very day, the Lord will put you in my power. I will defeat you and cut off your head, and I will give the bodies of the Philistine soldiers to the birds and the animals to eat. Then the whole world will know that Israel has a God, and everyone here will see that the Lord does not need words or spears to save people. He is victorious in battle, and he will put all you in our power. And Goliath started walking toward David again. And David ran quickly toward the Philistines' battle line to fight him. He reached into his bag and took out a stone, which he slung at Goliath. It hit him on the forehead and broke his skull, and Goliath fell downward as he hit the ground. And so without a sword, David defeated and killed Goliath with a sling and a stone. He ran to him, stood over him, took Goliath's sword out of his sheath and cut off his head and killed him. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they ran away. Wow. When the, David ran towards the enemy, he didn't retreat. We have to attack with unwavering faith. He had faith in God that no matter what would happen, that God was going to give him victory. He wasn't worried about that giant no matter how big he was, no matter how scary he was, because he knew the God that he worshipped. He knew that no matter what was going to go on that day, he was going to be victorious because his God was more powerful than any God of the Philistines, more powerful than any giant, more powerful than anything else. See, if we can get that realization in our heart of how powerful God is, then we don't need to worry about the enemies that we fight. Kind of like the, the little boy that's out there fighting, you know, and being real brave. And he said, come on, come on, I'll take you all on. And all the kids are standing, those big bullies are standing back here. You know, and they're backing up and they're afraid. But see, the little boy doesn't know that right behind him is his big brother. Six foot tall, 225 pounds, standing right there like this. And the little boy, man, he's got all kinds of courage. 
Man, come on, come on, bring it on. I'll take you all on. Come on. Because he didn't have to worry about it because he's got a big brother right back here. See? And that big brother, I, no problem at all for these little kids. You know, you've seen the, seen the, when they get the little kid and you go like this and they're swinging away and swinging away at you, trying to, to hit something. Well, that's what happens when we have God on our side. See, David knew who his source was. We need to know who our source is. When we know that God is our source, we don't have to be afraid of the battle because he's going to be right there with us. So we have to be able to have unwavering faith and knowing that when we step out and when we step toward the battle, that God is going to go with us. God's going to give us the power and the authority to be able to defeat this giant in our life, whatever it might be. We don't have to back away. And as soon as you take that first step, that's when the stuff happens. We can stand here all we want and say, God, beat them, get them, get them, God, and all these kind of things. But we have to step out. We have to step toward the battle before God responds through us and he gives us that strength. I believe that first step that David took was the hardest one when he started running toward Goliath and toward that battle. That was the hardest time in his life. But once he took that step, man, that's when the source showed up. That's when the power showed up. So the second step wasn't, very, wasn't as hard. And the next one and the next one, pretty soon he had no fear if he had any at all. I don't know whether he had any fear or not. Doesn't say. But if he did, he sure didn't. He had more confidence in God than he did in the situation. And that's what we need in our life. We need to have more faith in God and less in the fear that we have in our life. But that's what's going on in David's life. And as soon as we decide that we're going to attack with faith, in our hearts with unwavering faith, then all of a sudden the devil gets up on our shoulder and says, hey, you better think this through. After all, there's a scripture that says, count the cost. You don't want to get in the middle of battle and have to lose. So then we start thinking about what if? What if I lose? What if I fight and I lose? And so we think, well, man, I better not do that. If I lose, it'll make God look bad. It'll make me look bad. How am I going to look to my friends if I say these things and then it doesn't happen? What's going to happen? And so we let these what-ifs in our life interfere with what God wants us to do in our life. What if I, I come up and I get prayed for? What if I get prayed for and I don't get healed? Or what if I bring my need to the, to the front and I get prayed for and it isn't met? What if? Well, what if? When you do attack the giant, you defeat him. What if when you come up here and you get prayed for it and you are healed? What if your need is met? Why do we always look at the what ifs that doesn't happen? We need to start looking at the what ifs if it does. Because that's where God lives in the what if when he does. See, it's God's will that we succeed. It's God's will that our needs are met. It's God's will that we defeat our giants. And once we know that, hey, the other stuff doesn't matter. And what's the worst that can happen? So you fail. So what? You've already been defeated if you don't fight. The enemies that come in and take people over, and that's what's happening within the, within the nation, is it's being destroyed from the inside out. When we lose battles to giants in our life, whatever it is, it happens from the inside out, not from the outside in. And that's how you destroy a person. That's how it is. The devil wants to destroy us from the inside out. He wants us to think it about so much about what happens if we lose that we don't need to worry about any victory because we're not going to fight. And wishful thinking isn't going to get it done. We never do anything with wishful thinking. 
We have to be able to find out that what God is, uh, what we, who we are in Christ. And is it God's will for me to defeat this giant? Yes. Was it God's will for somebody to defeat Goliath? Yes. Are we going to be the David? Are we going to be the one that's going to volunteer to be able to take on the giant? Usually, though, the giants we face are our own personal giants. No one else is going to come and fight him for us. Goliath was the enemy of Israel. And we have a, a lot of enemies of America today that we need to battle as a nation, as a group of people. But a lot of the enemies that we face, they're our individual giants. They're the ones that we deal with individually. And it just stands up on the hill and says, hey, if you think you have enough strength, if you think you have enough power, come on, let's go at it. But we have to attack with unwavering faith, knowing that as soon as we take that first step toward defeating that enemy, the, the source is going to fill us with power and strength and an anointing to be able to win that battle for God. Because it's not our battle, it's God's battle. God doesn't want us to be under the thumb of any giant or any vice or anything that's given us grief in our life. That isn't God's will. God wants us to be, have that under our feet. So we know that it's God's will. So when we go in God's strength and not in ours, then we can fight the battle and then we can attack the ball or we can attack the giant with the power and anointing that God wants to give us. <clears throat> we have to attack with faith-filled words. Uh, verse 45 says, Then David said to the Philistines, Thou comest to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of heaven. The God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defiled. I mean, it made him mad that he was defiling his God. Doesn't it make you mad when people sit around and they cuss our God and they defile everything that we hold dear to our hearts? Doesn't it just irritate you? And you just want to take them on? And like, a, you know, you'd like to do like David did. But unfortunately, we don't have that freedom a little bit today that, we, that they had then. So we have to do it through the political system. So that's the way that we fight a lot of battles about the people that are defiling our God and defiling our nation. We need to take action. We need to knock down those giants one by one by one. And we do it on our knees. We do it in prayer. And we do it by writing our senators and our congressmen. And if you have to write the president, write him too. Well, that's the whole, those are our weapons that we use. Our biggest one, of course, is prayer. But they're not unsurmountable. I don't care how big it seems right now in our nation. God can knock down those giants. And he can restore America to the way that it was. But we have to be willing to be able to get in a fight and to be able to step forward instead of keep cowering back and letting us putting us further and further and further in this box of these are the things you can't do. These are the things you can't say. These are the things that you have to do. And vice versa. We have to be able to be willing to do something about it and say, I'm not going to stay in this box. I'm going to fight this battle, and I'm going to fight these giants until God calls me home. And then God will defeat them. But God wants to defeat them through us, because that's his will. Not for us. We look at it in our own power. Hey, you might as well go sit in a corner, because we have none. But God has ultimate power and ultimate authority over anything that we're facing, and every giant in our life. He just wants us to be willing to fight them. And when we're willing to fight them, then he wants to be able to step in there and, and do it. So we have to fight with faith-filled words. He had faith-filled words. He said, I'm going to defeat you by the name and the power of the, of the God of Israel. He had faith-filled words. We need to, when we're thinking about attacking something in our life, we need to speak with faith-filled words. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. 
And we find that to be true, don't we? If you keep telling your kids they're a bunch of knuckleheads and they'll never amount to anything and they're totally worthless, they're going to grow up and fulfill that prophecy. So why not tell your kids how wonderful they are and how smart they are and how intelligent they are and how proud you are to be their parents and all these kind of things that you can build them up because they will fulfill that prophecy too because we have power in our tongue of what we say. So when we go around and we talk about doubt and all the things that are going on, how can God battle that? Because we have to defeat that battle right there. Doesn't matter what's going on in your mind, don't let it come out your mouth. If you're trying to have a need met, don't come up here and say, well, I know God isn't going to heal me, but I'm going to be obedient anyway. I'm going to go through here and I'm putting my time. And, you know, who knows, maybe it'll happen. No, we got to get those thoughts out of our mind and don't let them come out of our mouth. We got to say, I'm going up here, I'm going to be prayed for, and the God that heals and the God that meets needs, he's going to meet me. And then every time that enemy sticks up its ugly head, you say, whap. I am whatever it is. I'm, I'm healed or whatever it might be. Whatever, my need is being met because God owns the cattle of a thousand hills, and he's going to have to sell a couple of them because I need them. Because <laughs> God can do that. God can do anything, and we need to understand that. So we got to quit confessing our doubts and start confessing our faith and knowing who we are in God and how powerful he is. That's what David did. The first thing he did was said, hey, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to hand your body over to the birds. I'm going to do this, and I come to you in the name of the Lord. We need to go against our giants in the name of the Lord. We need to ask for healing in the name of the Lord. That's why we pray in the name of Jesus. Because not, it's not anything that we do. It's in his name, through his power, and through his authority that those needs are going to be met, that those giants are going to be slain in our own life. That's what we have. That's the power that we have. <clears throat> David, or uh, Goliath, said that he was going to kill him and feed his body to the air, to the birds. But David is the one who fed his body to the, to the birds. We look at uh, Goliath, and he was a mighty warrior, Big, tall dude, he had armor, and he had a sword, and he had a shield, and all David had was a sling and a stick. <laughs> and yet, who won? <laughs> Sometimes we look at the weapons we have, and we say, God, how can I do this? I don't have the, the, I don't have the, the tools to do anything with. Well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you have. God let, takes what you have, what you're familiar with, and he uses them to fight the giants in your life. God doesn't need fancy weapons. All he needs is your willingness to use what God gives you or what you already have. And you already have a voice to proclaim your faith. You already have the word of God, which is our sword, that we can use and we can quote to the darkness and we can command the devil to flee, and he has to in the name of Jesus. So we have all the weapons that we need to face our giants if we're willing to step forward. In fencing, have you ever noticed, have you ever watched them fence and they go like this, and, go, and then they go, Wah. that's what God wants us to do. Wah. He wants us to fence and to be able to get it. So we need to quit looking at what's in our hand or what we have available to us and start using what is available to us that God says is available to us. Because he says, I will, one can send a thousand to flight. I think that can beat up a giant, one to a thousand. And I've, you know, we've seen the results of angels. One angel killed 185,000 Assyrians. So I think it can take on one giant, don't you? I think I could. If I had a hundred, I had a thousand. If I had one angel, hey, what's a thousand? So we need to realize who we are in God and what we have available to us through God. And then we have to attack using our imagination. Now, this is kind of interesting. 
part, and, I, and I, hopefully you're never going to get here this part. You might have heard some of this other stuff, but hopefully this part is going to be new for you. How did David get Goliath out from behind the shield bearer? Do you think about that? I mean, during that period of time, uh, people that had slings, they were very common. In Judges 20, uh, verse 16, it says, Among all these people, there were 700 chosen men left-handed. Everyone could sling stones at a hair's breadth and not miss. That's some fancy shooting. I can't even do that with a gun, and Tammy can't do that with an arrow. <laughs> we learned that in Sunday school. She got so excited at seeing a deer, she's shaking so bad she couldn't get the, <laughs> couldn't get the thing to work. I know, I know we all laugh, but we've all been there. If you've ever been hunting, you know how excited you get because I'll tell you, you think, oh, man, <laughs> it's so excited, and the arrow goes... <laughs> So we understand that. But see, Goliath was familiar with slings. And that's why Goliath had this armor bearer. And they held this shield with him. Because this wasn't a little dinky little. This wasn't it. It wasn't a little dinky thing. It was a big thing that he carried. And the shields that they carried in, in battle in those days, they were the size of the man. And they would all use the shields. And when they'd shoot arrows or slings into the air, then everybody would lace up their shields and the, uh, the arrows or the rocks or whatever it would be would hit these and everybody underneath here would be safe because they would interlock their shields or whatever. So this was a huge, a big shield and he was sitting there, you know, protect anything like that. So he was aware of that. So how did David get him from behind the shield to hit him with a rock? That's kind of interesting, isn't it? Have you ever thought about that? We don't. We have all these movies that we show them out there. We see David running up on top of a rock and running over here and doing this and doing all kinds of things with a stick in his hand. Now, I have a stick. I have my, my thing over here. Seen this before? This is a powerful staff, we've already learned. And we've already got the top down on our car, so we don't need to worry about any more windows being broken out. So... It'd be kind of hard for him to be running around with one of these in the hand. Of course, he'd probably do it. But this is what he had in his hand, and this is all that Goliath saw. We know that he had a pouch with five stones, and we know he had a sling. Okay? But how did he get him there? How did he get him to uh, out from behind that sling, or behind that shield bearer, to be able to think? Well, like I said before, that the Israel, the Philistines were up on top of the hill, 100 feet in the air, over here, and uh, uh, the Israelites were up here. Well, David went down, and he ran down the hill. This side's more sloped, where the Philistines were at, and this side was more of a uh, steeper incline. So David, he runs down to the bottom of, the, of that area, or the bowl, or like on the playing field in a football game, and he's running down there, and here comes Goliath coming down this incline. Now, how many know that when someone's up higher on a hill than someone that's down further, that if the armor bearer's here and Goliath's here, you see, Goliath's up here, here's the armor bearer, here's the shield. So when he's coming down this hill like this, Goliath is up here with his head exposed because no matter if he lifted it up, it couldn't because he's on that incline. So David, he runs down the bottom of that hill with his little staff. But still, where's the sling? Where's the sling? Now this is similar to what they actually, this did come from the Middle East. This is a regular sling that, the, that they would be using in those days. And so this is what I think happened, or what I 
what a, different things that I've happened has happened. Now my hands are very little. You know, they're a lot smaller than David's were. Should have had my husband come up and demonstrate this. But he probably had this thing wrapped up like this in his hand, like this, and he probably had it like this. See? Now, if, you, if I had a bigger hand, you wouldn't be able to see the sling, could you? So here he's coming down the hill, and the armor bearer is uh, down the hill here, and here he is exposed. So David, he runs down there, and I believe he went like this. Whoosh, grabbed the stone out of his thing whoosh, whoosh, within seconds. Just wow. And flipped that thing for that Goliath knew whatever could hit him. That's what I think happened. It sounds reasonable. But he had to do something that was imaginative, very imaginative to him. And, uh, and it, it, we give some insight, too, because he struck him. Where's it at? Where's it at? And he fell forward. Now, if somebody hits people in the head, you've seen them with something, they kind of go like this. They always fall backwards. Why did he fall forward? Because he's on an incline. He had, the gravity is going to catch you. So that's why he would have fallen forward. So I think there's a little bit of insight in there that kind of tells us what happened in there. But David had to use his imagination. He had to use the things that God gave him and give him the strategy in order to fight this giant. And he took advantage of it. And he took a, now I have some, now I have some rocks that I actually got over there. Of course, they're, they're smaller than, uh, than the ones that they have there. But they're smooth. Because the river comes down and they, um, and they make them small. Now, this is small. I don't, if I'm going to get rocks from things, I'm going to get the little ones, right? You're going to carry back the, the smaller ones in your, in your suitcase. But you, this would be about a golf-sized ball or size rock is what he used. It wasn't a little teeny one like this. Of course, God could have used this little teeny one too. wouldn't matter. He could have used a little dinky one. It didn't matter. <coughs> so it said in, in verse 51, it says, He ran to him. And stood over him and took Goliath's sword out of the sheep and cut off his head. See, we can't be satisfied with just knocking down our giant. We don't want to just knock down the giant because he'll get up again. And if we're playing house with our giant and not killing it, it's going to stick its ugly head up again down the road. And, God, and David knew that, hey, if I don't kill this, kill this thing, we're going to have to face it again. So he went... And there's another interesting thing that we find that, um, see, he didn't have a, uh, let's see, verse 41 says, The Philistines started down toward David with his shield bearer walking in front of him. He kept coming down. He said to David, what's that stick for? Do you think I'm a dog? See, God never, Goliath never mentioned the, mentioned the sling. Another thing that's interesting is that uh, David didn't have anything but a stick and a sling. But yet he said earlier in his faith-filled words, I'm going to cut off your head. Now, I don't, you know, this stick is nice, but it'd be awful hard to cut somebody's head off with this. Don't you think? It'd be awful hard to do that. You imagine. See, he had enough faith in God to know that uh, he was going to use Goliath's sword to cut off his own head. See, he had enough faith to know, hey, I'm not, I'm going to kill you. And I'm going to use your own sword to cut off your head. Now that to us would have seemed, well, man, that's, that's faith, isn't it? That takes a lot of faith. See, we need to understand that we might not have all the fancy stuff that we have, but God is going to let us use the stuff that the enemy has that belongs to them to fight our battles, to kill our enemies. He wants us to use the other things. We have to use our imagination on how we can defeat these giants in our life. We can't just... 
Oh, I'm going to just go over and throw my little stone. Because just the stone didn't kill him. Because it said that it didn't kill him. He said that he, um, he fell forward. And then he went and cut off his head and killed him. So it was cutting off his head is what actually killed Goliath. Of course, he was pretty stunned and probably wasn't in a lot of good shape and, and probably seen, you know, those, seen the commercials or the, the cartoons with the birds flying around the people's head after they get zonked in the head and they see stars. He was probably dazed a lot, but he used Goliath's sword to, be, to cut off his head. And that sword wasn't, wasn't a little teeny thing like we would because he was a big guy. So the sword was probably as tall as that staff. <laughs> Probably weighed a lot of money, a lot of money, a lot of weight a lot. So he, all David had to do was finally get it up because even then, getting something heavy up over his head and letting the weight of it cut it off, whatever happened, I don't really know about that. All he knows is he used his sword to cut it off because he had faith to know that he was, only, he was not only going to beat the, defeat the giant, he was going to cut off his head. And being so he didn't have a sword, he was knew he was going to use his. So we need to understand that God can provide things that we need in battle. Now, we have this uh, problem that we have that keeps us from uh, facing, our, facing giants or facing situations in our life, and uh, we uh, belong to what, what people call the tribe of I'm gonna. If you belong to that, you know, after I get home from vacation, I'm going to clean out the garage. After, oh, if I get, as soon as I get a better job, then I'm going to pay my tithes. After, let's see, after I get home from work on this weekend, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and I'm going to do this. I'm going to start reading my Bible starting tomorrow. I'm going to. I'm going to be more faithful to church. I'm going to. I'm going to. We belong to the tribes of I, I'm going to. One day I'm going to do. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. But see, God doesn't want us to belong to those tribes. He wants us to belong to the tribe of I'm going to do it now. I'm going to stand up against my giant and fight him now. Not tomorrow, because he said this day. And when we've got giants that are sitting there like us, Israel there for 40 days and 40 nights, they listen to this giant threatening them. And for 40 days and 40 nights, everyone that if they had any faith at all, by the time of the 40th day happened, they didn't have any faith at all. And they, all they had was fear. So somebody had to come in from the outside to be able to do the fighting. The problem is when we face our own giants, there's not going to be anybody outside that's going to fight the giant for us because we have to deal with our own personal giants. And those are the ones we have problem with. If we have a corporate giant here, we can get together and we can fight and we can pray and we can use our weapons of warfare that we have collectively, and that's a powerful force. And that's great, but when we're home in our own homes, in our own houses, and we have these giants that we have to defeat, that's when we have to be able to step forward and step toward the battle instead of keep backing away. Because every time we take one step backwards, we lose that step. We lose that ground. And that's ground we're going to have to fight to gain. I don't know how many people died during the war, World War I or World War II for every foot of ground. Thousands of people died for one foot of ground. Well, we have to make the decision, I am not retreating. That's why God didn't give us any, re any armor for our backside. He didn't want us retreating. He wants us to go forward because he knows when we step forward, that's when his power and the source of our strength kicks in. And we can defeat our giant. And we can defeat him in a way that 
we couldn't even understand how we're going to defeat them. See, when we have the confidence to step forward, then God gives us the imagination and the way that we need to defeat that giant. Sometimes it's just saying, I've had enough for you, and in the name of Jesus, I command you to leave me alone. That's what we have to do. That's the, that's the battle that we have to fight with. And it's easy for us to do if we'll just step forward. And we step forward toward the battle instead of retreating. That's what God wants us to do. But when we step back a step, now we've lost that foot of ground. We've lost that step, and we have to start over again. And now we've got one, one more step that we have to conquer. And it's easier to fight the giant right off, right up front instead of waiting 40 days and 40 nights. Because if we wait and we do not try and defeat him, we don't step forward toward the giants in our life, then we're going to become more filled with doubt. We're going to say, what's going on? And we're going to lose the battle. And that isn't God's will. God made us to be winners. I want to be a winner, don't you? I want God to annoy me and give me the strength to, to fight those battles and those giants in my life. And I don't know what those giants may be in your life. Maybe it's a financial giant. Maybe it's a health issue that you're going through. Maybe your kids are your, are your giant in your life. Whatever it might be, I don't know, but God knows. And if we step forward and say, I'm willing to fight this battle, and I'm willing to defeat this giant in the name of Jesus, because there's a God in heaven, and he is my source, and he's the one that I'm going to fight this battle with. And then we don't run away from it. We face it head on. That's the only way we can defeat it. That's the only way that we can defeat it. Now, David, when he left on this little trip, he had no idea he's going to fight a giant that day. He had no idea. And I'm sure if he knew, maybe he wouldn't have went. <laughs> maybe that's why God doesn't tell us what's going to go on tomorrow or the next day. It's because we know that if we know, we won't go. <laughs> Sometimes that giant is, well, you know, maybe I know I'm supposed to teach Sunday school, or maybe I know I'm supposed to do this or that, and we won't do it because, man, I'm afraid. As long as we're afraid and we're not willing to do it, so what if I fail? Well, what if you fail? I mean, everybody around here, the things that we do for God is, is on your side. I failed a lot in my life. I'm not proud of failures, but I know that I've learned from every failure that's happened in my life and every defeat, but I want to go down fighting. Don't you? I want to go down fighting. And I'm going to go down fighting because I'm not, I'm not satisfied with the way things are in their life. And there's a lot of giants in this area. We have the giants that are out there that we have to fight. There's a devil out there that doesn't want people to come to church. There's a devil out there that doesn't want people to get saved. And we have to fight the, those giants every day of our life. But if we're not willing to go invite our neighbors to work or to church and we're not willing to uh, talk to them about the Lord, then the giant's winning. And then we have, have to back up, and we're backing up, and pretty soon we won't even go outside because we might run into somebody and might have to say something. So we need to step forward, and that's God's will for our lives. And 1 Samuel, uh, the 17th chapter and the 17th verse, said, One day Jesse said to David, Take half a bushel of this roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread and hurry with them to your brothers in the camp and these ten cheeses to the commanding officer. Find out how your brothers are getting along and bring back something to show that you saw them and that they are well. <laughs> His father wanted proof that he had been in the battle. <laughs> God wants proof that we've been in the battle. And did, did David have proof? He returned with proof. He had the armor and the head to say, yeah, I was there. 
I ended up in the battle and I was victorious because the God of heaven fought through me. I'm reminded of this, the story of the young boy, the teenager, and I know this has not happened to anybody here, but the kids, you know, when they reach that stage of rebellion, they don't want to get their hair cut, and you know they want their hair cut. And this was more prevalent when our kids was growing up. Tell them to go get a haircut, and they come home, it doesn't look like a hair's been cut. So you didn't get your hair cut. I don't see any difference. And the boy, about that time, he knew the question was going to happen, so he pulls out a note from the barber. It says, I gave your son a haircut. <laughs> See, the dad wanted proof. <laughs> well, God wants proof that, we're, that we've been in the battle. And our, everybody that is around us wants to know that when we go into a battle, we're going to win. That, the world is watching us. They're standing on this side, and they're standing on this side. We have the Christians over here, and we have the Philistines of the world over here. And they want to know who's going to fight this giant in your life. They want to know. The ones over here are rooting for you. The ones over here aren't. They want to see you fail. So they say, see, I told you it didn't work. But see, we have to be willing to run. Run to the battle. Don't walk. Don't retreat. And use our imagination and pray and say, God, give me the wisdom to know how to defeat this battle, how to win this battle. And God has, has the ability to be able to teach us how to to destroy every foe and every giant we may have in our life. Now, if you're here this morning, you have a giant in your life you're dealing with. I don't know whether you'd be interested in these or not. But I've got some little rocks for you here this morning. I don't have too many of them. I've had a tendency, I got them all for my grandkids. And I uh, gave them all a rock. This is where David killed Goliath. Now, if you're going here and you have a giant in your life, this morning and you would like us to pray with you about your giant come on up and get a stone and use it as a memorial stone we talk about memorial stones and every time you see this little rock where you remember hey I'm going to defeat my giant just like David did just like David did if you want one of these come and get one like I said I think I have about 18 of them I don't know how many is here but, uh, but if you have a giant in your life I don't care. Maybe it's a financial giant. Maybe it's a health giant. Maybe it's a job giant that you need to defeat. We need to, fight the, we need to defeat our giants in our life. And that's what God's will is for our life. If you don't want to come up here, then, hey, let's bow our heads and I'll let you do it the easy way. Head, heads bowed and eyes closed. Now, if you're here this morning and you have a giant that you're dealing with in your life, Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's who knows what it is. Maybe it's a problem that you're dealing with in your life. Maybe you're having an internal battle with something that you just can't get the victory over. If that's you this morning, let me see your hand. You will need help with that battle in your life. Because God's here to fight the battles for us. And all we have to do is be willing to fight the battle and step into the, and step into the battle. You can't win a game sitting on the bench. Nobody ever won a game sitting on the bench. The whole team sits on the sidelines, and the other team's out there. Guess who's going to lose? If you don't get in the game, you've automatically lost. And God doesn't want us to lose. He wants us to win. So if you have a giant today that you're dealing with, God wants you to win. And I want to encourage you this morning that you can fight and you can defeat that giant.
All you have to do is step out in faith and say, I come against you in the name of the God of hosts, the hosts of heaven, the creator of the universe, the savior, the redeemer of the world, who's defeated death and he's conquered everything that I could ever go to. Whatever it might be, God is here to meet that need. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord. And you say, you know, I'm battling just trying to, trying to get saved and I don't know. I've been fighting, running away from God my whole life. But I know that I don't want to run anymore. And I want to fight that battle against the devil who's trying to keep me from doing that and making that decision. Is that who you're here this morning? If that's you and you want to say with, it, with an upraised hand that I don't know God but I want to meet him this morning. Let me see your hand. Our precious Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for everyone that is here today, Lord, and I'm thankful, Lord, that you help all of us, Lord, to fight our giants in our life. And I know that as long as we live, we're going to have giants, and there isn't anything we can do except trust you and be able to fight those giants in our life as each battle comes, and we just go from one battle to the other, and we know that you go with us because you are the Jehovah Shammah, our ever-present one, and you are with us in battle. You're with us every time. No matter where we are or what we do, you're with us. You never leave us nor forsake us, Lord. And I thank you for that strength, Lord, and that encouragement that you give us, Lord, and that victory because the victory is yours. It's it's your victory, Lord, and help us, Lord, to understand that. And I pray, Lord, that those that are here this morning, Lord, that have been fighting with giant in their life, no matter, I don't know what it is, Lord, but you do. And I just pray, Lord, that you just infuse them with faith and with power and with a mighty anointing and help them to be willing to step forward and set a quick backing up, Lord. And I just ask, Lord, that you would infuse them with mighty power, Lord, that they've never felt before and give them the unction to function and know that they have the power and the authority to defeat that giant this morning. And we'll thank you for that in Jesus' name. Now, if you have a...